Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Our Lord, we've come together to worship you. We've come together to be shepherded this morning by you into your presence in a deeper way to be instructed by God the Holy Spirit according to the truth that he caused to be penned that we might deepen our understanding of you and your ways. We ask for this outcome. We also ask for the additional outcome that in the week to come, we might walk in your truth such that we truly do love one another and love the people of the community that you've placed us in, truly being their servants as we are your servant in their life experience. We ask that you would bless us with the honor of serving you in the place where you put us. We ask this of you, good shepherd Jesus. Amen. Hebrews chapter 13.
the love chapter of Hebrews. Let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. Marriage is honorable among all, all, and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow? Consider the outcome of their conduct. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart is established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Obey those who rule over you, and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls, as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Pray for us. For we are confident that we have good, a good conscience in all things desiring to live honorably. But I especially urge you to do this, that I may restore to you, be restored to you the sooner. Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, give that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And I appeal to you, brethren, bear with the word of exhortation, for I have written to you in, a f in few words. Know that your brother Timothy... Our brother Timothy has been set free, with whom I shall see you 
if he comes shortly. Greet all those who rule over you and all the saints. Those from Italy greet you. Grace be with you all. Amen. Now, I think as I read that little phrase here in this chapter, I've written to you in a few words. We all went, really? (laughs) Hebrews is a lengthy letter, but what's he saying? I really wish I could be there to put my arms around you to speak further words of encouragement. Further words of encouragement. By the way, this entire letter... How have we done this? We've divided it into 13 plus messages. It was all read at one sitting (laughs) or standing in each of those congregations across North Africa. And it was designed to be a word of encouragement to people who had suffered under the hammer of persecution so strenuously that they had gone into hiding to a greater or lesser degree. They had pulled away from the open, clear declaration of the Lord Jesus Christ, who he is, what he's accomplished, because they were suffering, suffering, suffering. They were really paying a price for their loyalty to the Lord Jesus Christ. They were drawn away by a Jewish cult that would even among the Jews would have been called a cult <laughs> that actually elevated the worship of angels. They were drawn to that cult. Anything that minimizes the gospel reduces the persecution. And if you mix the gospel of God's grace, this is a pure gift, this is a pure gift, this is a pure gift, with anything that is of human effort, it minimizes, frankly, blasphemy. Jesus, as we have sung so many times, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. I didn't wash it white as snow. I couldn't do anything to eliminate the stain of my sin. But Jesus did. He cleanses us. He is the great high priest who brought in his, the offering of himself into the presence of the Father. And the Father welcomed that offering, which was on behalf of the entire human race paying sin's penalty for the entire human race. You only benefit from it if by the help of God's Spirit you embrace it by faith and welcome it. And welcome it. And I know that I've shared this before. Bear with me, but maybe repetition is the price of learning. Yes, all teachers know. Repetition is the price of learning. And what I've done is I've gone from bank to bank to bank. I tell all these bank tellers when they are interviewing you for a promotion, they have a secret question they are going to ask you. They're going to ask you, do you know any ancient financial terms? And you're going to be able to say, of course. Everyone knows tetelestai. Tetelestai, say that word with me, tetelestai, tetelestai. It is the sixth statement Jesus cried out from the cross, tetelestai. We translate it, 
paid in, we translate it, it is finished, which is its literal meaning. But it was a marketplace term and a legal term in the marketplace when you had finished paying for your goods that they had listed out on the papyrus that you filled your basket with. They would write to telestai across your bill because you had paid it in full. In the Roman court system, yes, they spoke Greek in the Roman court system. When you had paid off your crime bill, all these things you've been convicted of, so much fine, so many wax with the rod, so much time in the salt mines, whatever it was, when you had paid off your crime bill, they had made out an actual crime bill for you. And they would write to Telestai across your crime bill. Roll it up, hold it out to you, and you could reach forward your hand, take it, take it home, and you would nail it to your front door so you could prove to all your neighbors that you had indeed, you're now free of the, the, those uh, bad fellows from Rome. <laughs> Don't have to worry about me. Don't quit with your gossip that I'm a guilty bank robber. No, paid in full, paid in full. Paid. And that's what Jesus cried out from the cross, and everybody at the foot of the cross knew what it meant. Paid in full. He had just paid off the sin debt of the human race. And what happened at that very instant? The veil in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and swept aside. And all these priests could see into the holy of holies. That's the death penalty. And they're, why am I not dying? Because Jesus had paid the penalty that you would have been left to pay, but he paid it off. And we're told in the book of Acts that a great number of the priests believed. And now whenever, and my wife can bear testimony to this, whenever we pull through the drive through at Wells Fargo Bank, I say, what's our word? And no matter who it is, they're saying, to tell us die. To tell, and then they tell me what it means. Well, folks, that may be the very message the, those mostly young ladies but a couple of guys will need to hear it's as simple as that how much faith do i need to receive the benefit i need to have enough faith to reach out my empty hand and the scroll of my sins that has to tell us i written across it is laid in my hand And as Paul says in Colossians chapter 2, God has taken the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, all of our crimes against heaven, and nailed it to the cross. He has clearly got that cultural reality in mind as he's writing that letter. Please forgive me for repeating myself, but repetition is the price of learning. And you're going to be able to share that God is going to give you an opportunity this week to share that gospel presentation with somebody. What's our word? To Telestai. All right. Hebrews 13, let brotherly love continue. What does God what does love look like? Love in the Bible isn't described, is not the definition isn't about how you feel. There are three, actually, three Greek words for love. Agape, 
which is servant love. And that's the word used here. That's the word used in 1 Corinthians 13. That's the word used by Jesus in John 3.16. For God so loved the world. God's servant love. God so agape. Then there's the word phileo. I am your friend. It is the friendship love. It's the brother. It's the love that brings you up beside a brother to strengthen him, to walk with him. And then there's the eros word, translated love. And that's sexual, sensual love. This is agape love. Let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to enter. Let me tell you what this will look like. Do not forget to entertain strangers. For by so doing, some have unwittingly (laughs) entertained angels. Vincent, do you suppose maybe you've had a few angels there at your house? <laughs> you suppose, well, some of them were fallen, perhaps, but uh, do not forget to entertain strangers, people that you don't even know. Invite them into your. By the way, they didn't have motels and hotels in the ancient world. You, when you came to a town, you spent the night in the town square. They would close the gates, but there would be people who would invite you into their home, Lord willing, where you would receive a blessing from them is a meal, a place to sleep, a place to rest, more protection than you would have had out in the town square. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Remember the prisoners, as if chained with them. Well, that's inconvenient. You mean, Barnabas, that I'm supposed to go to the local jail and visit my friends in the body who are being persecuted or being jailed because of their loyalty? I'm, I, I, I. <coughs> yes. Publicly identify yourself with those who are in trouble for their loyalty to Jesus or even for people who are prisoners for wicked reasons. What did Jesus say to that man crucified beside him who said, who was rebuking the other man and he said, we deserve what we're getting. Why are we mocking him? He is sinless. Why are we mocking him? We deserve what we're getting. Folks, that is a giant statement. I deserve my crucifixion. Jesus, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? You will be with me this day in paradise. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are are in the body also. These are people who are prisoners who are enduring this because they're part of the body of Christ. Another aspect of love. Marriage is honorable among all. Who invented marriage? God did. He created Adam, then he created Eve, and it was a blessing, an unrestrained blessing until the fall. Then it became a restrained blessing, <laughs> something you could foul up. And that's exactly what he's talking about. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Those who take the, 
blessed thing of being authentically married to someone and drag it out and put it in an inappropriate context, God will judge them. In the same way that people who eat food that was stolen from someone, there's no blessing in that. God will curse you for eating food that you stole. In the same way, stealing a blessing from its appropriate place to an inappropriate place is something God will judge. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Covetousness is idolatry. This is really convicting. How many collections do I have of stuff? How many collections? My wife can tell you. <laughs> she has nothing like that, except what was dumped on her by her mom. I won't go there. Okay. <laughs> Let your conduct be without covetousness. Covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. Not, you're not taking anything with you. The blessings will be awaiting you. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Now, folks, that is a quote from Psalm 56. And if you read Psalm 56, read the superscription above the first verse. It is one of the most shocking, most powerful psalms you will find in the entire book of Psalms. Because it says in the superscription of Psalm 56 that David was in the custody of the Gathites. He was in chains when he wrote that psalm. He had fled Saul, gone to the tabernacle, the high priest had given him showbread to eat, and he said, oh, by the way, I had to leave Jerusalem so fast that I left all my weapons behind. Do you have any weapons here? Well, we have Goliath's sword. Oh, well, there's none like that. I'll take that. And he gave Goliath's sword to David, and then David went straight from the tabernacle to Goliath's hometown of Gath. Now, folks, we're not told in the historical record whether it was his idea or God's idea. He walks into Gath with Goliath's sword like they're not going to recognize that. And they instantly do recognize it and him. They arrest him immediately, put him in chains. And he wrote that psalm while in their custody. And more than once in that psalm of about 12 verses, he says, I will not fear what can man do to me. And I can remember the first time as a teenager reading that psalm because I had read the superscription and I'm yelling at my Bible, but I'm really yelling at David. What do you mean? What can they do to you? They can kill you. <laughs> I will not fear what can man do to me. I will not fear what can man do to me. I will not fear what can... He says that more than once in that brief psalm. And they bring him before the Akish, the Abimelech. Abimelech is his name, Akish is his title. And David 
goes up to the doorframe of the palace and starts slobbering and acting very shamefully. And Aki says, get this guy out of here. Don't I have enough fools in my presence? So they kicked him out. And Lord, I said, okay, Lord, it worked, but really, yuck. And the Holy Spirit reached down and went smack, smack. My son didn't just go through pain on the cross. He went through shame. Okay. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Hebrews 13, quoting Psalm 56. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The persecutors can punch you no deeper in the face than they have divine permission. The strike of their rod can harm you no more than they have divine permission. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Ladies and gentlemen, I hate to break the news to you, but often being a leader in the, in the flock of God isn't an easy, pleasant job. Sometimes it can be pretty rough, pretty disheartening, pretty grieving. Remember those who rule, rule over you who have spoken the word of God to you whose faith follow. Follow their imitation of Christ. They're imitating Christ. That's what they should be doing if they're authentic leaders in the body. Imitate them. Considering the outcome of their conduct. What's the outcome of that fellow's conduct. Let me ask you a question right now. Billy Graham. Billy Graham is in the presence of Jesus. Do you think he's enjoying himself? You think he's... Okay, I don't think I want to go back. We just went to a memorial service yesterday for a lady. Hard, hard, hardcore Christian woman who was a devoted disciple of Jesus. She went through three years of prolonged suffering before she entered Jesus' presence. But whether she had that three years of prolonged suffering or not, I can tell you right now, if you invited her to come back, she's saying, no way. <laughs> I'm staying here. Oh, yeah. There's nothing on earth that compares with this. Whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct, and what could be the outcome of your conduct if you follow their lead properly. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. Oh, well, that Jesus, that guy taught you to you about, he's a little, it's a little different. Now stop it. He is the unchanging God. If our God could change, any change that he would make to himself would be a step down. It ain't going to happen. He is the unchanging God, and we can all be very, be very glad because his holiness is incorruptible. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't listen to the false cultish doctrines. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied by them. 
What's he saying? What was the temptation that drew them away? They were being drawn back to a legalistic Jewish cult. And the most obvious Jewish trait of that cult or the Judaism of Jesus' day that put him on a cross, it's not out of the Scripture Judaism, it was the Judaism created by the Sadducees and the Pharisees. It was all about law-keeping, and God is so impressed by the length of my sleeves and the tilt of my, my skull cap and the foods that I do and don't eat. God is just so blessed. He is just so impressed by these things, and God's going, oh, please stop. No, no, no. The only righteousness that God ever said was that which rose from his son. And when we are led into that same standing with God by his grace and mercy, when we are led into that same standing by God, God can stand over us and say, oh, yes, I love that, I love that. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to... The temple was still functioning there in Jerusalem. They're still doing all of these sacrifices. They're still presenting all these, the incense altar and all the wonderful aromas and all that. But what's he saying? We have a tabernacle, a temple. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle in Jerusalem have no right to eat. And by the way, the... the Levitical priests actually ate from the sacrifices. That was how they supported, fed themselves and their families. It's an amazing, you read the book of Leviticus, Levi had no land. They They had houses, they had six cities of refuge, and they had places, but it was just enough to live on. But they lived, as far as their food, they lived on the sacrifices that the other 12 tribes brought. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat for the, for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. The sin offerings were completely consumed. They weren't taken home to be eaten. They were consumed outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered outside the gate. Jesus was the sin offering that delivers. And where was he crucified? Outside the gate of Jerusalem. You know, this holy place, Jerusalem. Why we can't besmirch the wonderful holiness of this city and the temple that resides within it. No, we must execute people outside the walls. And so the Romans with the accompanying Jews. They took Jesus out and they crucified him and the two men beside him outside the gate because we don't want to break the rules in the book of Leviticus and defile this wonderful place of residence of God. And so Jesus suffered outside the gate just as those burnt offerings would have been in the, out of the, uh, found in the book of Leviticus. He suffered outside the gate and cleansed us cleansed us. He was our sin offering. 
For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood. The word sanctify means be made holy. Jesus is the one who moves us from the place of divine condemnation to the place of divine holiness. We stand before God in the very holiness of God, but it was gifted to us. He took away the guilt of our sin, but that just puts us in a neutral place. He then adds to us the very righteousness of Christ as if we had lived that perfect life of Jesus. He, God, Paul writes, he, God, made him, Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for us when he went to the cross, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And so we step into the presence of the holy God and we're, whoa, that ain't me. No, it's not you. It's Jesus' righteousness gifted to you. And that's what creates a divine glad, glad, glad welcome for us. Folks, that's called the gospel. That's good news. Therefore, let us go forth to him. He went out and made that sacrifice for us. Should we not replicate that in our devotion to him? He He did that because of his devotion to us. Now in our devotion to him, what should that look like? Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp bearing his reproach. We take a public stand for Jesus, and will there be a negative to that? Yes. The great positive is we have an unrestrained welcome with God. The negative is we will bear what Jesus himself would have borne. For here we have, why should we do this? For here we have no continuing city. Don't mess with this covetousness. Don't collect all this nonsense. Why? Because you're going to a divine city. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Therefore, by him, Christ, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. God actually enjoys hearing our praise. As we offer praise to him in our time of worship, God is bending down. Yes. Yes, yes. Giving thanks to his name, but do not forget to do good and share. Oh, you just got really practical, Barnabas. (laughs) Do not forget to do good and to share. What kind of a sacrifice can I make? Hmm. For with such sacrifice, I can do good and I can share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. God actually does stand over our authentic gifts of service to other people, acts of service to other people, and he stands over our sacrifice. And just as he would have stood over the 
been over the incense altar at the tabernacle and later the temple. The whole point of that was God is breathing in the wonderful fragrance. So it is with us. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls. Do what they say. Now, by the way, don't be afraid of questioning, measuring it against the Scripture. No authentic servant of God's people, no authentic leader will be afraid to have you match what he says to God's Word. And by the way, if I get something wrong, if you find I'm doing something or saying something that does not match God's Word, please tell me. Because if I'm getting it wrong, I want to know it. And if you are in a body of people that has leadership that isn't willing to be corrected, quietly back out the door and go to a body where the people are willing to be walk in submission to Christ in all things. But also honor those who are placed above you for your care. The shepherd protected the sheep. He guided, by the way, in the ancient world, the sheep followed the shepherd. Sometimes people wonder why I'm, 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 I'm an authentic follower of Jesus. Why am I being assaulted in this way? In the ancient world, and that whole thing about sheepdogs shoving the sheep around, that's not how it was done in the ancient world. The shepherd led the sheep, and the sheep followed him because he was their he was their source of protection and provision. He led them from one pasture to another pasture, to, and he had a rod and a staff to protect them with the rod to beat off the predators, and a staff to pull them out of the thorns they got themselves tangled in. And so they drew comfort from that fact. But if the shepherd had a particular lamb that was, and all lambs are dumb. Okay, but there are some that are especially dumb and rebellious. They would actually take that lamb and break the bone of one of its legs. And carry, and so the lamb couldn't run away from him and be stupid. And he would carry that lamb around on his shoulders day after day after day while that leg healed. And then once it would heal, he would put the sheep, the sheep down, the lamb down, and it was totally knitted to him. That lamb never left. In fact, it became a big problem because it was always in front of him messing, trying to trip him up because it loved him so much. But that's what our God does. He shepherds us. The price of being a shepherd, a shepherd is a leader offering protection, provision, guidance. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. And they will have to give an account for how they fulfilled that role. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. You don't want God to have, that shepherd to have, well, that guy, uh, Mark, he just really was a problem, a thorn in my, no, no. Be a blessing to him as he's attempting to be a blessing to you. Pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience. 
in all things desiring to live honorably. This is Barnabas. By the way, Barnabas is in Italy writing back to these people in North Africa. Pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things desiring to live honorably. But I especially urge you to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. I want to come back and spend time with you. But right now, I'm not free to do that. Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will. Working in you, what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The God of peace, the God of shalom, who brought up Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd, may he make you complete. You have a shepherd with you. He is the God who governed the penning of this book, but he is always present with us. Matthew 28 The Great Commission. Jesus says to the apostles, go into all the world and preach the gospel, and I will be with you, even to the end of the age. I will be with you. I am present with you. I just love the fact that God hasn't said, okay, here's your assignment. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to hang out there for however long. You don't know. I'm going to hang out there, and then I'll come back and see how you did. No! He's with us, beside us, every step of the way. That's the only way we could have any hope of succeeding, is his powerful, wise presence. Now may the God of peace, the God of shalom, the God of blessing who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, is that a proof of ability to bless? That great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of their everlasting covenant, is that a a proof of his willingness to bless? Yes. Make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, What do you say to kids when you are in the class? Oh, you did that right. Do they Do they like it when they get an A at the top of the paper? Yeah, yeah they do. Uh, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Everything ultimately finds its foundation, its reality in Jesus, the expression of Jesus' presence with us in every sense. And I appeal to you, brethren, bear with the word of uh, exhortation, of encouragement, for I have written to you in few words. (laughs) Wait for that. Uh big retreat we're going to have when I get there. (laughs) I've written to you in few words. Know that our brother Timothy has been set free. Obviously, he had been imprisoned. With whom I shall see you if if he comes shortly, if he comes to me shortly. When he joins me, if I'm free, we will come. 
Greet all those who rule over you and all the saints, those from Italy, those who with, with whom you fellowshiped earlier, who are present with me here in Italy, send you greeting. Grace be with you all. God's provision be with you all. And it is. Amen. So be it. And all God's people said, Amen. So be it. Jesus is with us. We are in hostile territory. But we have the God of peace because he has a rod and staff. (laughs) He is the God of peace who walks with us. He is our shepherd deliverer. It's true. Let's give him thanks and ask for him, from him opportunity to share his truth this week. Our Lord, every person here who has authentically placed their trust in what you have done for the entire human race. Lord, those who are here who have authentically abandoned their trust in their own works in favor of what you have done for us on the cross, we do ask that you would use us this week to share this gospel truth, this tetelestai truth, with at least one someone. And if there's anyone here present who has not yet abandoned trust in themselves and their own works in favor of what Jesus has done, I would invite you to pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, I've come to believe that you indeed paid the penalty for my sin on the cross. I believe that's what you did, but I want to ask that you would hand that benefit, the benefit of that to me personally right now. I'm asking for you to do that, knowing you're more eager to answer this prayer than I am to pray it. I'm trusting that you have now forgiven me because you paid sin's penalty for me. You were set free to do that, to forgive me. I'm welcoming that benefit of forgiveness and a welcome into your presence right now. In your name, Shepherd, Redeemer, Jesus, I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.